announcement, that warning, 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 annual administrative business meeting coming up January the 8th, all right, mark your calendars, all right, get loaded for Bayer, all that good stuff, I know, I'm just kidding, y'all, y'all been in business meetings before, it'll be a breeze, all right, uh, but we do have to give you a heads up that it is coming on its way, but nevertheless, long before any old business meeting comes to play Grinch, we're going to have Christmas, we're going to smile, and we're going to laugh, and we're going to worship the Lord and even when that business meeting comes, and even when whatever comes next year, we're still going to laugh and smile and praise the Lord, because God is good and faithful. So we're thankful that you're with us today, and uh, it is fabulous to look out and see smiling faces and ugly Christmas sweaters, and even some lights on some of those things. All right? But uh, let's pray, and then this morning we're going to stand to our feet, we're going to worship the Lord who has come, uh, and that we're celebrating, and uh, to save our souls, and then uh, we're going to get to hear some good special music as well this morning. So uh, let us pray. Lord, we come to you this day. We just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for the fact that we have freedom and liberty to gather today to, to meet together, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to do so with hearts that are full, hearts that are glad, hearts that, that care to worship you, Lord, because you are worthy, Lord. Lord, help us to worship you not just because of the things that you've done for us, but simply because of who you are. Lord, help our hearts to delight, to gather in your presence, to gather together with uh, the, the people of God, Lord, with, with your people that you've bought, that you are building your church with, and Lord, that you've gathered us together to uh, make us something far greater than an individual, but to make us a part of the body of Christ. Help us today just to glorify you, to worship you, be with every song that will be sung. I pray that it would uh, be Christ-honoring, and Lord, that it would uh, touch hearts today, Lord, for the word as it goes forth, as it's preached. I pray that you would give just a freedom and a liberty for your word as it is preached, as well that you would give Open eyes and ears and hearts today, Lord, that we would receive all that we need today in Christ. Lord, give us a sweet day of fellowship as well, Lord, that we might fellowship with you, have communion with Christ, and as well, uh, communion and fellowship with one another because of who he is and what he's done for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. appreciate our pastor and I know you do too so if you love and appreciate your pastor give him a hearty amen right now amen and a nice hand of applause and Merry Christmas amen praise the Lord God for our pastor pray for him daily and I sure hope you're doing that I know a lot of you are and I hope all of you are praise the Lord well our first song is hymn number 258 Go tell it on the mountain, hymn number 258. Luke 2.16 tells us, And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And verse 17, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. Amen. They were so excited, and that's the way we ought to be all the time, excited, and you just can't help but tell somebody about Jesus. Go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and Cheers. 
go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, the manger our humble savior christ brought us god's salvation O little town of bethlehem how still we see thee lie hymn number 250 micah the prophet in the old testament chapter 5 verse 2 says but thou bethlehem ephratah though thou be little among the thousands of judah yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Our Lord and Savior, He is everlasting. Amen. Old little town of Bethlehem. Everybody knows that word and what it means, Emmanuel. 
Simply God be with us. Amen. Silent night, holy night, hymn number 253. Luke 2 7 and 2 8 tells us, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by, by nine. Our Lord Jesus, the King of glory, King of kings and Lord of lords, he, he came lowly and humble, and uh, he came to the lowly shepherds. God told them to go see Jesus, Savior of the world. And if that ain't our lowly Lord, but yet he's mighty and powerful and God Almighty. Silent night, holy night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, so tender 
standing and let's uh, smile, wave, laugh, say hi, say hello, turn around, look left, look right, make everybody feel welcome. We're glad you're all here today. God bless you. Okie dokie. Praise the Lord for a good Christian fellowship. That's good to see. From here, it blesses my heart. Okay, if we would, let's all make our way to our seats. And we've got some really special music today. You see how many is up here. Most all of them are singing, amen? But it's uh, Miss Ann goes first. Ann Stone, she's got a special. And then there's Miss uh, Emma or Emily and uh, Cammie and Carissa. Threesome will come after Ann, right? But anyway, there's uh, and Tony's gonna play the uh, guitar, and me and me and Hunter are just gonna sit around grinning, okay?
while angel voices sing. This night of nights has come and brought the world the long-awaited King. The earth is filled with gladness, and yet the heavens weep. For heaven's eyes can see he was born to die.
shining afar through the shadows dim, giving the light for those who long have gone, guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay.
hath truly blessed Victor Way this morning and he's blessed us all the time. We've got some great singers and great music so we appreciate all y'all that sing and Tony that plays the instrument and Larry not here but we appreciate, appreciate all of them and we thank God for you. Amen. And we pray for you. Alright. Bow with me as we go to King of King and Lord of Lords, our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer. Dearest Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this great blessing of singing and song. We do pray, Lord, that it's pleased you, and Lord, it's glorified you and lifted up the name of Jesus. Uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to do that. 
And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house here today and assemble together in the name of Jesus. We pray, Lord, our hearts and souls and minds be united together in, uh, in Christ, Lord, here today. And as we continue in the worship and singing and, and coming preaching of your word, Lord, we uh, ask, Lord, you bless our pastor and Lord, give him strength and wisdom and discernment and boldness and liberty to preach your word here today. And Lord, help us to be attentive to the message and uh, take heed, Lord, to the things that you say from your word through him to us. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory for all this accomplished here today and every day. In Jesus' name, we always pray and ask. Amen. Okay, uh, if you would, please stand. One of my favorite songs, and some of you that have spoken to me about it has uh, said the same thing, Behold Our God. And I, I got to looking around for some scriptures that fit this uh, song, and it sure wasn't hard to find many, I'll tell you that. But uh, I, usually I just say one scripture, but this song is so much meaning in it. And glorifies our Lord, and He is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He's sitting on the throne forever and ever. And I, I found three verses that I thought fit that pretty good. Hebrew one eight tells us, "But unto the Son, He saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of Thy kingdom." And I pondered on that a little bit. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Amen. And Psalm 146.10, The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. And that's worth praising. And Psalm 45.6, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Praise be to God. Behold our God. Sing with me. This is a good song. Who has held the oceans in his hand? Who has numbered every grain of sand? Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creation rises to rejoice Behold our God seated on his throne come let us adore him Behold our King nothing can compare come let us adore him who to the Lord who can question any of his words who can teach the one who knows all things who can fathom all his wondrous deeds behold our God seated on his throne come let us adore him behold our king 
Christ's hands, bearing all the guilt of sinful man. God eternal, humble to the grave, Jesus Savior, risen now to Most important part of the service, by the way. All right, before J.L. goes down, J.L., why don't you come up here for just a minute. I am grateful for J.L. Quinn. It's been a little over a year now, and I can't think of anyone more humble, more kind, uh, to, to lead us in worship and to learn new songs like that and to own it. And I thank God for you, brother. It's not much, but we wish you a Merry Christmas, and we'll keep you forever. We appreciate you, brother. We love you. We love you, brother. Amen. All right. I know the ladies told me 12 o'clock, but we're just going to see. Y'all take your Bible. Turn with me to John chapter 1. Gospel of John chapter number 1. The past two weeks, y'all, I've done real good. I've only had two points each message, but today I messed up. We got three, y'all. So I'm... We'll just say it's your Christmas present or something. I don't know. But uh, take your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 1. We've been looking at the Christ of Christmas. We have seen that He is meek and that He is mighty. We have seen that He is lowly and that He is Lord today. Well, we got three. Two are really together. But we're going to see that He is the, and this is no more fitting than today. God, praise the Lord for His goodness. He is the sovereign, suffering servant. Do you realize that the sovereign God that we've just sung about, the very same one who Isaiah saw there in the temple. The heavenly temple of which he saw there in Isaiah 6. None other than the same Jesus Christ who had put on flesh and be born of a virgin that we've sung about this morning. The very same Christ of that nearly every single song has sung about that He came not just to give us a beautiful Christmas story, but to give us forgiveness of our sins. To literally bear the wrath of His Father who He had eternal fellowship with forever and forever, yet He stepped down into our dark and sinful world. He put on flesh. You want to talk about humility, meekness, and lowliness, but you want to talk about might and lordship and sovereignty to put on flesh, to come to the lowliest of the low, to come the meekest of the meek, 
the poorest of the poor, the most sinful of sinners. To die for the ones that would despise and reject Him. Jesus Christ was sovereign long before Bethlehem. He was sovereign on the cross, mind you. He was sovereign in the tomb and sovereign when He resurrected. Sovereign when He ascended to His Father who has given Him all things and all of His enemies will be placed under His footstool and He will rule with that scepter of righteousness forever and forever. Jesus Christ is Lord and He is a sovereign Lord. Today, if you have a problem with the word sovereign, then you have a problem with God. He is the ruler. He makes the rules because He is the ruler. All authority belongs to Him. He has created us by the might of His power, formed and fashioned us in our mother's wombs. He knows us. And who are we? What are we? That we would tell the sovereign Lord of creation, the sovereign Lord of light and life and love, tell Him what to do. Who has given Him advice? Who's told Him how to do anything? Nobody. John chapter 1. Today we're going to see that He is sovereign and He is the suffering servant in this passage today. We're going to skip around a little bit to a few other places in the Gospel of John specifically. And as well as we're going to look at a, a heavy passage today in Isaiah. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. That's Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. There is no evolution. There is God and God Almighty. There is Jesus Christ, the Creator and Sustainer of heaven and earth, those things visible and invisible. and All things will bow down to Him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Do you want to know why you're alive and breathing right now? Christ. Do you want to know why you have not killed over in this service? Christ. Do you want to know why we've got the opportunity to worship Him the way that we just have? Because of who He is and what He has done. In Him was life. I've got no life in me. In my flesh there is nothing but death. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And my flesh is nothing but rotten, stinking, dead man's bones. But by His gracious hand, He has made these bones to live. Because life belongs to Him. He is the source and the giver of all life, physical and spiritual. It belongs to the Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life. And He is the one that desires to give life. And today, the greatest gift that you can ever receive at Christmas time or any time for that matter, it'll be better than anything you, you, you open up come Christmas morning or anything you've already opened up or anything you don't even have to pull out of a gift bag. It is eternal salvation, secure, full, final, and free. Not by anything you've ever done, but by all because of who He is. And all because of what He has done. That's life offered to you today. In Him was life and life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Not the John who wrote this, but another John. His name was John the Baptist. John the Baptizer. 
The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. As you and I sung earlier, we're, we're to go tell it on the mountain. Right? We're little lights to tell about the real light. Right? He says, that was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Today I will have you to know, every one of you that is under the sound of my voice today and the word of God, that if you leave here unsaved, it will not be anyone's fault except for yourself. Today, if you leave here unregenerate, unbelieving, it will be on you. Not because God is not merciful or gracious, it will be because you rejected His gracious and merciful hand. That was the true light, which lieth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. How few of us know our Creator. How few of us know our God. I believe because we fail to behold Him. He says, He came unto His own and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to, the belie- to them that believe on His name. That's faith. That's salvation. That's it right there. You must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is His divine character his divine attributes. It is his divine work of which he came for that we sung about and celebrate today and throughout next week and throughout the rest of the year, throughout all of our days that Christ came to us to save our souls, to bring us to God because we could not get to God. We couldn't build a ladder big enough, a building big enough. We couldn't work our way enough. We couldn't be dunked in a baptistry enough. Couldn't be on enough church rolls or memberships. Couldn't preach enough. Couldn't do anything enough. Can't give enough. It is all because He has given all that it takes and it is Himself. His precious blood. You must receive by faith today. He says, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It is God who gives life. And the Word was made flesh. Eternal put on temporary. The infinite put on the finite. And dwelt among us, Emmanuel. And we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let us pray. Lord, we love You. We thank You for Your faithfulness. Thank You for Your kindness this morning. Lord, what a day to simply worship You. May we never let a day go by that we don't have moments like this where we can raise our hands, we can raise our hearts, and we can simply praise You. God, may we behold Christ today. May You reveal Yourself to us today. I pray that it would be Your Holy Spirit that would speak today, would preach today to every heart. God, if there's one in here today who does not know You as Lord and Savior, I pray that You would bring them to a place of repentance, bring them to a place where they would confess Christ, that they would behold Him not just there in that manger, but there on that cross and there in that empty tomb and there ascended at Your right hand or that we might see Jesus today, that He might be magnified and glorified and lifted up. Lord, we thank You for this time. Go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. It is one thing to say that Jesus Christ is eternal and that He is sovereign and that is wonderful and we need to have that. But we must also understand that Jesus Christ is not only sovereign, but He is the suffering servant that was promised from long ago. To think that a sovereign one would suffer. It doesn't happen. To think that the king of kings, or any king for that matter, would serve his people. That doesn't happen. To think that even a king would not just serve his people, but suffer for his people that would despise and reject him. That doesn't happen either. You read about kings and queens uh, throughout the world and throughout history, and you hear about how someone did them wrong or did not like something that they said or decreed, and they said, off with their head. 
but instead this one would bow into the creation of which He's made, put on not just flesh, but put on a servant, slave's garment, and wash the feet of His disciples. It's unthinkable. It's unimaginable. It's unheard of. And we're unworthy of it. May we never lose the wonder of the Christ of Christmas. The incarnation, the coming of Christ, there, born of that virgin, laying there in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The ageless rock of ages. This is the divine sovereign hand of God. His plan to send His sovereign Son to be our suffering servant to save us. Before we go any further today, let me ask you, have you made yourself sovereign over your life? It's easy to tell because it's where you spend your time, it's what you think about, it's what you care about, it's where you go, it's what you say, it's what you feel, it's what you think, it's how you act. Either Jesus is Lord of your life or He is not Lord at all. To make Jesus Lord over a portion of your life over an hour a week is not to make Him Lord. But I will have you know He is the Sovereign Lord. You will either bow now or you will bow later. Our gravest of issues today in the Christian world, in the church world, in the Christian life is the fact that we don't want to bow down to God. Our sinful flesh wants to be its own God. Our sinful flesh and sinful nature always wants to do what we want to do. We place ourselves upon a throne of which we don't belong. We, when we sin, say that our way is better than God's way and that we are king and that He is not. You and I don't view sin in such a way because we don't want to view ourselves in such a way but God viewed us and saw us in such a way and loved us anyways that He sent His Son to die for us. That's the beauty of Christmas. That's the Christ of Christmas. Today, as we look at this, we're going to see that Jesus Christ and Christ alone is the sovereign suffering servant. Here in verse number 1-4, through we're going to see His sovereignty. Notice this, in the beginning was the Word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Eternal fellowship, everlasting to everlasting. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the eternal God. He is, as Isaiah said, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is, as He said and proclaimed there in Revelation, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the reason why there was a beginning. He is the very one that said, let there be light. He is the very one that stooped down with His mighty hand into the dirt of which He had spoken into existence and formed and fashioned man. The first Adam. Knowing that the first Adam would fail and knowing that he would be the second, the true and better Adam to die for us, to represent us upon that cross where he would willingly face the wrath of his Father. Where he would willingly, who had never known sin nor could know sin, would become sin itself. Who would be a curse for us, would become a curse for us. What we find in these few verses is what is called the prologue here in these first 18 verses of the Gospel of John. And John picks up not with lying in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he doesn't talk about wise men, he doesn't talk about shepherds, he talks about the infinite of God. 
do you know that that infant was infinite? There in Bethlehem, that was not his beginning. No, but he had spoken the beginning himself. He is distinct yet equal with the Father and the Spirit throughout all eternity. He is the Word of God. This is the Word Logos. It is the divine revelation of God. If you want to know who God is, look to Christ. If you want to know how God works, look to Christ. If you want to know how God acts, look to Christ. If you want to know what God requires, look to Christ. Look to His cross. Look to see who He is and what He has done. There is no salvation or sanctification outside of looking to Christ. You can look to anything that you want. You can look to your works. You can look to yourself. You can look to religion. You can look to church. You can look to a multitude of things. But if you don't look at Christ, you will miss the boat. In Him is life. In Him is light. And the great part of Christmas, we look at these lights and we see how beautiful they are. But these are to point us to the true light. These are to act as little John the Baptist wreaths that point us to Jesus, the true light of God who has come to illuminate us to the reality of our sin, to our great chasm and separation with God, our Creator, and that only He can now draw us to Himself. He is the revealer of God and the Redeemer of man. Only God could save man, but only man could die in man's place. He is the perfect God-man, the perfect spotless mediator, he is prophet, priest, and king. He is not just the priest who comes to be a mediator on behalf of the people. He Himself is the very sacrifice. As John is going to say here in this chapter, he's going to be talking about John the Baptist. And he says, the next day in verse 29, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God. He is the perfect spotless one. He is the one who would bear your sin and your shame and your sorrow. He is the one that would become every vile, dirty, wicked sin that I have ever committed, that you have ever committed. No sovereign has ever done such for me. No president, no king, no queen. I don't even think a senator or a, maybe even a mayor has ever brought me a cup of cold water. Never paid a light bill. Never shoveled the sidewalk or raked the leaves. But Christ, the sovereign God, came to do much more than any man could ever do. Jesus is the eternal life and light. Without Jesus, there is no light. Without Jesus, there is no life. Physically, if Jesus never speaks, let there be light, there'd be no light. Without Jesus, if He never says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, there will be no life. If He never lays down His life, there will be no life. If He never shines in the darkness by His very presence, there will be no light unto us. Today, the whole point of coming here, we're going to have a meal, we're going to have fellowship and all these things. It's wonderful, but today, if you do all of these things, if you do Christmas without Christ, then you've missed Christmas. If you do life without Christ, you've missed life. If you try to live in this dark and sinful world, by your own flashlight of good works, your batteries are going to die quick. We need the light and life of Christ. He is the light in the darkness. John chapter 3 tells us this. I'm going to turn in a few places in John. You can either flip, me, flip with me real quick or, or just let me read it for you. It don't matter to me. John chapter 3, verse 16 through 20 tell us this, For God so loved the world that he, be, that he gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Why? Because the world was already condemned. 
condemned to death, condemned to die, condemned to be in darkness because they rejected their Lord. That's where Israel was in Jesus' day. That's where we are in our day. But thank God for Christ that He came. He says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Today, if you have not believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is as if you are already condemned. But today, God offers Himself to you. He offers His mercy, His forgiveness, that you can now freely come, not by anything that you could ever do, not by any works that you may ever do, but freely because of who Jesus is and what He's accomplished for you. He came to rescue you, to bring you to God, because you couldn't get to Him. Look at this. He says, But he that believeth is not condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, of God, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. If you are lost today in your sinful flesh, I can tell you this, you do not like Jesus, you don't have a love for Jesus, you love darkness, you love your sin. Every time we sin, we do it because we love it, because we want to. And I can tell you this, that Jesus Christ, the light, He will show you sin. He will show you your sinfulness, but He will reprove you of it and bring you out of that darkness. We can be translated the moment that we trust in Christ from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The eternal light. The eternal life of God. John continues to tell us more about this, this revelation of who Jesus is, that He is the light and life of God to man. In John chapter 8, verse number 12, it tells us this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth Me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Dear saved soul today, if you are walking and you feel that you can't find your way, if you feel you've lost your way, don't look at these Christmas trees. Don't look at the lights on, on, on all throughout the town. Look to Jesus and you will find your way home. He is much more uh, th than, than anything we could ever imagine. He will draw us back to Himself. If you are truly saved, that is exactly what He's going to do. You will not stay in darkness forever. But perhaps if you've never come to the light in the first place and you're in darkness and you feel the darkness and you find that the darkness is overwhelming, it's because it is. It will engulf you. It will keep you trapped. But praise the Lord that His light will cut right through the darkest of night, will cut through the darkest of hearts, will, will cut through the, the hardest of hearts and soften a soul and bring them to repentance and faith. You are but one step away. You are but one uh, moment away from knowing for sure this same Christ. Not just the Christ of Christmas, but the Christ who loves you from eternity to eternity. John chapter 11, verse 25. One of Jesus' earthly friends has passed away. And just a few verses ago, He told His disciples about it and He said, because they're a little thick like we are, a little thick-headed, and He says, for your sakes, I'm glad he's dead. He said, what? What's that mean? Because when Jesus shows up some four days later and his buddy's going to be in the grave and starting to stink, he tells his family, he says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. When you were born in your sinful flesh, according to the book of Ephesians, it tells us that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. 
He is the one who is our resurrection life. Not just our future, future resurrection, but even right now, He will regenerate you, save your soul to the uttermost. And you can know and have that for sure today. Do you know Christ? Do you know the sovereign Lord of creation and of salvation? Do you know Him? Jesus then says in John 14, His disciples are getting awful worried, getting awful scared. And He says to them in John 14, 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Jesus is the eternal life and light of God to man. Bethlehem was not His beginning. We see that here in the Gospel of John. It's not that John skips over his earthly life. As a matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, he's going to show just how human Jesus was, but to show that He was, is, and shall ever be God and the only One who can save souls. He is the great I Am. He is the beginning and the end. And all in Bethlehem on that night of Jesus' birth were created by Him. We must submit to His sovereignty. He is... Pure sovereignty veiled in flesh and wrapped in swaddling clothes. He is pure power and might and authority, but yet a newborn. He is infinite and creator, yet being held by one he created. The life and light of God. Jesus did not become sovereign later down the line, nor did he even just Stop being sovereign for 33 and a half years or so. He was sovereign then too. We're going to see here in a later in some Scripture that Jesus knew things that only God could know because He was always God. He was God long before Bethlehem. He was God that night in Bethlehem. And He'll be God forever and forever because He declares, I am the Lord, there is no other. That word Lord is the idea of sovereign. He is the ruler, the one with all authority, all might. He is either Lord of lords or He's not. He's either God or He's not. Who is Christ to you? That's the great question today. Have you beheld your God? Have you looked to see the real Christ of Christmas? Verses 5-11 through 11 of John. Y'all still with me? Good, I still got... I still got a little while. I love talking about Jesus' sovereignty because He is God. But these next two things in this passage are going to show us not necessarily something more beautiful than His sovereignty because I don't know that anything can be just to simply behold God there on His throne. Think about what that might be like. But we can see that though He is the Sovereign of all things, that He came and that He literally and physically and bodily and even spiritually suffered because of my sin. Verses 5-11, through we're going to see His suffering. And the light shineth in the darkness, and you'd think it'd be happily ever after you would think that the darkness would say, oh good, the light! Praise the Lord! Someone turned on the lights! This is wonderful! 
Now we see how sinful and wretched and wicked and vile we were. Now we see how as the people of Israel, of the people of God, the chosen people of God, that we have failed Him and failed Him. Oh, praise God for this little baby, this light of the world to us. We're going to get our lives straightened out. No. There in the dark night, they missed the glory of God Almighty Himself. The verse continues, and the darkness comprehended it not. That would begin his suffering. The darkness couldn't comprehend him. Now, this is a twofold meaning to one phrase here. One, the unbelieving dark world could not see that he was and is and forever shall be the true light. As Jesus is going to even tell the people of Israel, you have eyes, but you cannot see. You have ears, but you cannot hear. You have hearts, but you can't believe. And much like the people of old in the time of Israel, that they uh, confessed and did lip service with their mouths to talk about how they loved God and served God, but yet their hearts were darkened. He would look at the people that should have saw His coming and should have known all about the prophecies, and He would say, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Woe to you, you vipers. Woe to you, you uh, whitewashed tombs. Woe to you, those who wash the outside of the cup but leave the inside dirty. Woe to you, religious. Woe to you who do good works. Woe to you who know much with your minds but believe little in your heart. Woe to you, prideful. Woe to you who refuse to bow the knee to God. Woe to you who play the part of a hypocrite. Woe to you who play the part of this law uh, uh, obeyer yet heap piles and piles of heavy weight upon people who need freedom and grace. The second meaning of this phrase is not just that they did not understand that He was God, but it's that they rejected Him as God. The word comprehend here is not just that they could not see, they could not understand, but it is the darkness to comprehend it is to overcome something as well. That the darkness could not overcome the light. Notice this, you might hear children say this, when the lights get turned off, that the dark gets cut on. Y'all ever heard little kids, kids say that? Who turned the dark on? Right? Well, the dark never gets cut on, does it? We say cut on the light, and boom, the light comes in and eliminates the darkness. Your flesh, your sinful flesh, this dark world does not have room for Christ. They didn't have room in Bethlehem on a physical level, but they don't have room on a spiritual level today. The darkness wants to overcome the light. They want the happy ending to this world history of a Disney story for it to be not that the, the good conquers and wins and, and wins the day and saves the day, but that the darkness overcomes the light and snuffs it out. That's what this lost world looks like. That's what every lost soul looks like today. Notice this. Not only could they not comprehend Him, but verses 10 and 11. We see in verses six through ten that he, six through nine that he's the true light, and we get to verse number ten. It says he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, the people of Israel, the people that should have known him, the people that should have rejoiced at his coming, and his own received him not. They would treat him as a stranger. 
an outcast of society. The Creator is rejected by His creation. The potter is rejected by the clay. The bridegroom rejected by the bride. What a travesty. You and I look at this and because we see Christ and we're looking back and we have the whole counsel of the Scripture, we go, how could they miss it? The same way that you and I miss it all year long until we get to Christmas time. The same way that you and I miss it when we choose our sin over our Lord. When we bow the knee to our own wants and wishes and fleshly desires instead of the sovereign God who saved our soul. It's the same thing. Turn with me. You can hold your place there in John. We're going to look more at his suffering in detail. Turn with me to Isaiah 52. Isaiah number 52. We're going to look at verse 13 and we're going to go through chapter 53. I'm not going to try to say but too much in this and just let the Scripture speak for itself. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. God speaking through Isaiah Isaiah is often called the Gospel of the Old Testament. Rightly so. It shows judgment, but yet also shows the glorious truth that there is a coming Savior and that there is everlasting life and forgiveness to be given, to be brought, and will not be by the hands of men, but by the very hand of God Himself. Earlier on in Isaiah, in chapter 7 and in chapter 9, he gives all these beautiful prophecies of Christ, that newborn babe, uh, born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us, and all of these things. And now we get to Jesus Christ, servant of God, but specifically the suffering servant. Verse 13 of Isaiah 52, Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled. That's dealing with his resurrection and ascension, by the way. And be very high. He shall reign forever and forever and forever. As many were astonished at thee, his vision was so marred, More than any man. When you and I see crosses, when you and I think about the cross, we think about a little bit of blood from some tiny nail-pierced wrists. and We think about this Jesus who's clothed and He's got some white linen around Him and just looking kind of sad and tired. Sovereign God of creation who said, let there be light and formed and fashioned the first man died for man. His body itself is described here that it was marred more than any man. He was a piece of butchered meat upon a cross. The tree which He created by His own will, He willingly died upon. The ones that He created drove the nails into His hands after spitting upon Him and mocking Him and ridiculing Him. He would be nailed under a sign that said, King of the Jews. But He was rejected as King by the Jews. And today, by many, and by many who claim to be a Christian, deny Him to be King over their life. Do you not see what Christ has done for you? Do you not see what the Christ of Christmas came for? Is there anything more sweet or beautiful than that newborn babe? You might debate about different babies and what they look like. If they look like their dad, you might be going, well, 
They could be cuter, but you and I, we look and we just go how precious this little life is. He started off as that beautiful little babe and he would grow up and become a sacrificial lamb. He goes on and he says, So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. They won't have a thing to say. What can they say? For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard they shall consider. That day is coming, dear friend. What sovereign king suffers for their people? What sovereign king has ever suffered for unrighteous people? Isaiah 53 goes on, Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He wasn't head and shoulders taller above everybody. He wasn't the best looking, the best athlete, the richest. As a matter of fact, we find that Mary and Joseph could only offer something that was called the poor man's offering. Notice this. He is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. Acquainted with grief. His very first cries would just begin the sorrows. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. To give you an illustration of what that phrase literally means, it means this. I can tell you what you and I do, dear believer, when we sin. Because we don't want God to see what he sees. Today, dear sinner who's never trusted Christ, Today, right now, I hope and pray that you are under the most conviction you've ever felt. I hope that right now, though you might feel like this, who am I to look, that you might simply peek and see that this Savior did all this for you. That He suffered for you. Not so that you would have to suffer, but rather so that you would not have to suffer. He suffered so you don't have to. If you die and go to hell, it will not be because God desired for that. It will be because you rejected the one who suffered in your place. He goes on and he says, He was despised. And we esteemed him not. You say, well, I'm sure they didn't despise him as a baby. The government tried to kill him. The government snuffed out every child, two and younger, to make sure that they got rid of him. You say, what horror that is! Who could think of killing two-year-old babies and younger? Our, our own government. Our own people. Denominations who call themselves Christian. People who call themselves Christian who would argue for the slaughter of newborns. Thank God that He sovereignly protected His Son. Why? He would not let Him to be slaughtered as a baby, but He would let Him be slaughtered upon the cross. The wrath of God, not the Romans or the Jews, would take care of that. We'll get to that in this passage, by the way. Notice verse 4. Surely He hath borne our griefs. Anybody ever had griefs? 
Yeah. I want you to know, nobody cares for you like Jesus. Nobody knows your grief more than Jesus. It does not matter this Christmas season that it's Christmas season. You're going to have some grief, I'm sure. It might be the first one without a loved one. It might be a second or a third, or it might feel like an attorney without a loved one. You, you might not have anything under the tree. You might feel broke. That You might feel discouraged. You might be so stricken with grief, but the Lord Jesus knows your grief. He identified with your grief. And He carried our sorrows. We preach about Jesus saving us from our sins and dying for our sins and becoming our sins, but He bore your sorrows. He knows every tear that ever falls, every worry that ever crosses your mind or your heart. So give it to Him. Because only He can bear it anyways. If you're full of grief and sorrow this Christmas, you don't have to hold on to it. Would you give it to Christ even now before this sermon is over? Yet we did esteem Him stricken, spitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, not for His. He was bruised for our iniquities, not His, because He had none. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. and With His stripes, we were healed. Long before He was laid on that cross, they laid His back and His body open. This is where His visage becomes so marred. With a cat of nine tails that would whip not just His back, but even exposing His entrails. Leaving Him bloodied as a, as a literal sacrifice for us. It's by those stripes that we are healed. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. I want to tell you what happened on that cross. I want to tell you what happened upon that place called Calvary. It was not just that a good man died. It wasn't even just that Jesus Christ, the good preacher, died but that He who knew no sin became sin. Meaning that the price for your sin and the very curse of sin itself was placed upon Him. He held the very weight of all sins from eternity to eternity. Every wrongdoing, every wicked and bitter thought, every evil deed, Every vile thing that we've ever done, the smallest of sins, the greatest of sins, was placed upon Him. There is no heavier weight to bear. But He bore it all the way. He was oppressed and He was afflicted, yet He opened not His mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before His shears as dumb, so He openeth not His mouth. He was taken from prison from judgment and who shall declare His generation? For He was cut out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Notice verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It's coming. 
He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned He stood. Sealed my pardon with His blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Who are we that our sovereign God would suffer for us? Sin and shame and sorrows placed upon our sovereign suffering And as we will now see, serving Savior. John chapter 1, verses 12 to 14 tell us this. Here's how He serves. He offers life. He's come unto His own and not only put on flesh, we're going to see what else He puts on. To think that the Creator would serve His creation, it makes no sense. But that's what Christ has done. But as many as received Him to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. There is no greater service that Christ has ever done than to offer us life by simply trusting in Him. Will you reject that today? Have you rejected that today? And to those of you who know Christ, have you forgotten that today? That Christ suffered and served His people. It says, "...which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God." And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It is told to us in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, 28, but it shall not be so among you, Jesus is speaking. He says, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. In the Gospel of John, turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Y'all still with me? Y'all give me a couple more minutes? All right. (laughs) Don't tempt me. (laughs) John chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15 and, and we'll be done. I want to read it first. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew there's a sovereignty, there's His Godhead, there's His deity, that His hour was come, what hour? His hour to suffer. But He could see it beyond the cross because He saw the empty tomb already. And He could see beyond the empty tomb because He could see Him sitting there already in glory at the right hand of the Father. He could already see thousands of years later His pure bride, the church, of which He would ransom and purify. He could see already the new heavens and the new earth because He's already there. He's everlasting and everlasting. That His hour has come that He should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved His own, which were in the world. He loved them unto the end. 
And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus knowing. As Miss Ann had sung, I believe it was, talking about that he knew long ago what he would do. Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands. And that he was come from God and went to God. Notice this. He riseth. Not upon a throne. Not with a scepter. But he rises from supper. He laid aside his garments. And he took a towel. And girded himself. And after that he poureth water into a basin. And he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus says to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. He pause there for a moment. Here he's not talking about salvation. He's saying if you're saved, you've been washed from head to toe. Praise the Lord. But he's stooping and he's washing the feet of the disciples because... Unlike today, you and I wear nice dress shoes and all this stuff. They wore sandals. They walked in the muck and the mire of the world. Let's think about that for a moment. The sovereign God of creation stepped into His creation and walked in the dust that He made. He walked in the same dirt that He scooped up and made man with. He is describing the Christian life here. It's the Word of God. God Himself who washes our feet daily. For what purpose? So that we might fellowship with Him. So that we might have communion with Him. The fact that we've been washed from head to toe by the precious blood of the Lamb, that's salvation, that's our union with Christ. But this continued washing of the feet is as we humbly come to Him and come to His Word that it washes us and renews us and strengthens us day by day drawing us in fellowship with the Lord. But notice this. Verse 11. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down, again he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. The way up is down. The way to lead is by serving. Get real nervous with those that want to have leadership or preach or teach Sunday school but can't take out the trash. Jesus serves His creation. 
Jesus with hands that were holy and everlasting washes dirt and mud and filth off of His disciples. I want you to see something deeper than this. Jesus doesn't just watch, wash John and James and Peter's feet. No, he serves the traitor. He washes the feet. The sovereign God, stooping down and putting on flesh, and steps before every one of his disciples after he lays aside his garments. That's the incarnation. Puts on a towel and stoops down and gets in front of them all. One by one looks them eyeball to eyeball. They're looking at the face of God. Looking at the face of the one that they've seen say, peace, be still. The one who they just watched. Lazarus, come forth. The one who said, let there be light. And there was light. And he's going to take the clothes of a slave, a bondservant. He's going to wash the filth off of one as he sees eyeball to eyeball who will betray him for some silver. He's going to stoop eyeball to eyeball with this same Peter who later that night going to deny him three times. Swearing, I don't know that man. He's going to wash the feet of the doubter who said, unless I see the, unless I see his hands and his feet and his side, I won't believe. He's going to wash the feet of every disciple that when he was arrested, ran away. And you and I are too proud to serve people we don't like. You and I are too proud to serve people that done us wrong in church. You and I are too full of ourselves to stoop down to anybody. You and I are often too full of ourselves to even stoop down to the one who could go no lower than to put on flesh and to put on that towel, and to wash off the feet of sinners. That washing off of that feet, as He does that, pictures what He's going to do on that cross. But there's another wonderful picture too. He stands up again, and He puts on His garments. My Lord right now is not clothed in a servant's garment. He is clothed in a vesture of righteousness. His eyes are as a flaming fire. His feet are shining brass. He goes forth and inspects His church and expects His believers and is seeking to purify the ones that He loves so dear. Do you know this, Lord? Do you know the love of God? Because there it is. 
the sovereign, suffering servant. There's a song that goes as such, it's sort of a modern take on Away in a Manger, and we'll be done. And this song addresses Jesus' sovereignty, His suffering, and His servanthood. I want you to hear these words. Away in a manger, a baby is born. The sovereign of heaven, whom angels adore, is wrapped in the weakness of our mortal frame. The little Lord Jesus, asleep on the hay. Away in a manger, a servant is born. Made nothing to raise up the hopeless and poor. With grace as his burden and love as his yoke, the gentle Lord Jesus will shepherd our souls. Away in a manger, a Savior is born. The crown he'll be given will pierce him with thorns. The King will be cursed with our sin and our shame. The blameless Lord Jesus will die in our place. Away in a manger, a lion is born. The darkness will tremble at his mighty roar. His mercy will triumph and death will be slain. The risen Lord Jesus forever will reign. Do you know the Christ of Christmas? Have you bowed your knee to the sovereign, suffering servant of God who loves you enough to stoop down and to wash you from head to toe with His precious blood? Are you clean today? Are you in fellowship with that Lord that did all this for you today? And if you are, when's the last time you thanked Him? Let's all stand this morning and we're going to have an invitation to Him and this altar is open. Today, if you need Christ, come. Take the Bible and show you Jesus. Come put your trust in Him and He will save you to the uttermost. And today, if you are saved and you just want to praise the Lord, come. Today, if you have sorrow or, or grief or burdens, come. Give it to Christ. He can take it. We've just read that. Would you come today to our sovereign, suffering, serving Lord? Come to Christ.